Hallelujah. Amen. Are you happy? Give me a beautiful smile. Even if your teeth are crooked or missing, give me a beautiful smile. Amen. Well, I'm not Pastor Phil. I'm not as good looking as him. Okay. But uh, he's busy traveling today with Pastor Tammy, but he will be back next week. So I'm going to be sharing the message today. Uh, before I do, I just want my beautiful wife, Lucinda, to come up. He who finds a wife, finds a good thing. Here's my good thing. <laughs> Amen. Well, before I hand my mic to my good thing, <laughs> I just want to make a few announcements. We've got some wonderful product here. And my favorite DVD of them all is called Caught in the Act. Remember the woman that was having jiggy jiggy pata pata sex? Uh oh, that's in the Bible, okay? And, and they caught her, they threw her in front of Jesus, they wanted to stone her, remember? Jesus said, He who is without sin, throw the first stone. And one by one, the religious leaders left, only Jesus was standing in front of her, and Jesus forgave her and took her place on the cross. So this is a wonderful DVD for, for you to buy your, uh, for your, your non-Christian friends. We've also uh, got another product called Reaching Out. L let me just say, with Court in the Act, how many of you have got some people that you work with or friends in your neighborhood that you, you maybe haven't shared the gospel with them? This can be a wonderful outreach tool that you can use to give as a gift. I personally have literally given out thousands of these. Almost every waiter in every restaurant that I've been to in the last five years has got one of these. I, I say, do you want the DVD or the CD version? And it's a wonderful tool for them to hear about Jesus and get saved. Amen. I'm going to be sharing a message today that's going to be encouraging you to reach out as a lifestyle. And a similar message that I've preached before is called Reaching Your World. So you can get the CD version or the DVD version which will encourage your friends, because we want to encourage you to buy some for your friends to reach out and win souls. Another great uh, DVD we have is called Practical Evangelism. You can either get the CD pack or the DVD pack. I preached this in a 12,000 member church and we captured everything on film and audio. And it's a wonderful DVD series that you can buy that will teach you, first of all, how to share the gospel one-on-one. -on -one. Many times we want to reach out and preach the gospel, but we don't really know what to say to people. Well, this CD pack or DVD pack will teach you that. We've also got a teaching on the Holy Spirit, on outreaches and divine strategies, which covers all different kinds of outreaches that you can conduct in your, in your neighborhood. It's only $10 for the set, so you can give that to your uh, for yourself or your friends. And how many of you know that it's important for us to read the Word of God? Amen? The Bible says, meditate on the Word day and night. Don't let it depart from your lips. Do all that is written in it. And then you will have great success. We all want to be successful. And that success is linked to us having a knowledge of the Word of God. So it was actually Lucinda's vi vision to put this little annual Bible study together. Uh, all the months of the year and, and, and each day that you can study a different portion of Scripture. So in one year, you get through the Bible. So even if you start on today's date, a year from now, you would have gone through the Bible. So we want to encourage you to get these as well. Amen. That's all my promo for today. Are you happy? Amen. We are doing wonderful things in the schools as you've, as you've just seen in our promo. But what's so great about Influence Church is that we have started three Bible clubs in the last week here in Influence Church. Amen. <clears throat> Esperanza High, Valencia and Diamond Ranch. And we're working on El Rancho as the fourth one. So within the next week or so, we're going to have four Bible clubs reaching out every week into the schools, the same way that you saw 
in the promo but my wife Lucinda is going to tell you more about it Great can we have all the volunteers all the influence bible club leaders to come up This week was amazing we actually had the club rush at two schools and at one of the schools we started a new bible club and we have amazing testimonies these guys worked so hard you will not believe every single day they were in the schools promoting these clubs and we're just so excited about what the lord is doing amen so we're just going to have a few comments first of all tatiana you had your first bible club meeting this week tell me what happened Diamond Ranch. Well, um, we had a lot of struggle because a lot of people were saying they're not like religious enough to come. So we just said like we're not about religion, we're about relationship with God. Isn't that amazing? We're about relationship with God. And so on the very first meeting, what happened? Um, the whole classroom was filled. The whole classroom was filled the first meeting and there was no more seats. with no more seats isn't that amazing guys that is exciting so cool brad is our president at valencia high he is super cool and this guy works so hard we were in at the club rush every day this week he was sick the one day but guess what he showed up even though he wasn't feeling well because he is committed so what happened i'm um, on the first day we got like 38 or something to sign up but it like started off slow and um I got people I know in volleyball to uh, wear the shirts during practice so wow so all the cool dudes are wearing our shirts amen we're a cool club guys we are cool Jordan what happened at your school Esperanza High um well our club table was in the middle of all of the club tables so literally the attention was right in the middle of all of it for club rush week so that was pretty awesome and handing out flyers individually to students saying hey come to our club learn about Jesus and then being like dude yeah like totally like yeah I'll come so we had 76 people sign up wow 76 people Jesus is at the center of Esperanza amen uh how about you Brittany what happened Um I would say that one of the coolest things was the kids that would thank us for starting the club. I know Whitney said they did at Esperanza as well. Um and seeing that the kids were so hungry for Jesus as far as asking questions and like really inquiring for the clubs and then it was really cool to see when we would tell them about it they were like, "Yeah, I'll sign up." Super excited. So it was really cool to see that uh, we get to mentor and minister to Jesus to these kids. So Well, Victoria is one of our mentors and she's super cool. So all the girls like her. So, um, what happened? Okay, guys, just check out these matching t-shirts that we have. If this doesn't scream dedication to Bible Club, I don't know what does. I don't know if you saw me sitting in the front. It's cuz it smells so bad because we have been wearing these 5 days a week. These kids are so dedicated to committing to the Bible Club and we could not do this without Jared and Lucinda. They're incredible and not just because of their accents. Thank you. With me. You were so dedicated. Shame she I think she's on every department of this church. She like sings, she she she's in the volunteer and she's so faithful. So what happened with me? Um oh, okay. Well, I'll just say what I said in the first service. Um Uh so at Valencia it was really cool cuz um we had I I went the first day and that was one of the slower days. Um that I'm hearing but um it was just it was so cool and we had a lot of people that were um they were inquisitive which was really awesome and then there's another girl that was walking by and I was like hi how are you and I would do that to all the kids and they'd be like great now I have to talk to them um and there was one girl that was like oh I'm sorry I'm Buddhist and I was like that's fine come on in and you know like if you like pizza and you like music and you like friends come and so she's like okay and um and then at Esperanza like they were saying we were in the center of everything and it was really cool and there's just the holy spirit attraction um to our table and to the girls that are leading this um yeah it was really cool so you guys can see that things are happening on the school campuses amen but we don't want you guys to be spectators right we want you to get involved how do you get involved 
well, listen to the Holy Spirit and start praying for these students because they are on the front lines of their schools. It's not easy, guys. There's a lot of peer pressure, but we want you to engage and really start praying for our team. Drew is our youth leader. He is super, super, super cool and really just a great guy. We've been working with him for the last two months and we've just grown to love him and Whitney. And, and really, guys, send your youth. Drew, is there anything that you want to say to encourage them to come? Um, I mean, they said it all. I mean, it's just it's just a fun time, you know. It's not just like a little Bible club hangout. It's it's really just us going through life together, you know. Um, I've officially stepped in as the youth pastor, and that's super exciting. With Whitney, we'll be taking care of this, and with with all of them, it's it's a everyone everyone needs to get involved. I mean, it, it's going super well, and it's only going to take off from here and, and just maximize, you know. So thank you. Well, thank you guys so much. We're so excited. And if you aren't plugged in to, a, to mentorship or anything, and you want to be, come and speak to Drew, come and speak to me, and speak to Jared. Amen. Amen. Let's give them a wonderful hand. Amen. So, so you may be hearing that I have an accent, but to me, you guys have the accent, okay? Well, my wife and I come from South Africa, which is in Africa. We now live in America. I guess that makes us African-American. <laughs> That's a joke I tell in every school. Well, I grew up actually in a Jewish home. Shalom. Grew up in a wonderful Jewish home, wonderful mother, wonderful father. But I was a very, very naughty boy. Say naughty. Naughty. <laughs> That's my American accent. Naughty. Well, I was always getting in trouble, trouble with my teachers, trouble with the principal, trouble with the police. Uh-oh, say uh-oh. Trouble, trouble, trouble was my middle name. Because I was always getting in trouble, my mother used to get very angry with me. So she would say to my dad, take Jared to his bedroom and shire him, which is an African expression, give him a hiding on his bunk. Now, you need to understand, my dad was a big dude. He was like six foot one, 110, 120 kilograms. He had big muscles. He even had muscles on his teeth. So I knew that if he hit me, I would feel the pain. So the first time I was naughty, he took me to my bedroom. He slammed the door, and I was shaking. And then he whispered softly to me after he took his belt off. I'm going to hit the bed with the belt. When I hit the bed with the belt, you must scream so your mother thinks I'm hitting you. I said, sweet. And he would hit the bed and I would scream, ah. And he would hit the bed again and I would scream, ah. He'd say, shout louder, your mother can't hear you. Mommy, help me. In the meantime, we were laughing. <laughs> if she only knew. And then he said, now my boy, you need to look like you've been crying. I said, relax, chillax. I've got a cover, dad. I was only eight years old. And I spat in my hand, all over my cheeks. Walked out the bedroom holding my bum. I'm sorry, mommy. I'll never be naughty again. In the meantime, my dad was a wonderful man. Don't try that, guys. <laughs> a wonderful man, a kind man. A generous man. He was a very romantic man. Ladies say, ooh. Guys say, oh yeah. Come on, work with me, people. Ladies, ooh. Guys say, oh yeah. So every Saturday, he would buy my mother a little present. We would have lunch together. We'd hang out. He would go home. He'd give my mother the small present. A lot of us guys are being convicted right now. Because, sorry, honey, we don't do that every week. But he would give my mother the present and say, I love you, my darling. You're so beautiful. You're so wonderful. He was just really the kindest, nicest, most incredible person. The kind of person everyone wanted to be friends with. And his dad, my grandfather, was a very wealthy guy. Left half the fortune to my uncle, half to my father. My, fa my, my Jewish uncle was very clever. My dad was like a carefree guy, literally squandered, gave all the money away. And uh, as a result, he was very popular, very good looking guy, 
So there were always parties at our house and everyone wanted to be friends with my dad. But something tragic happened to my dad. He had high blood pressure and he never took his tablets. And as a result, he had a stroke. And the result of his stroke was he could never walk again. He could never talk again. And what was hard for me to witness was that in about three months, every single one of his friends deserted him. No one cared about him. No one visited him. And, and it really affected me as a kid. And as a result, I became very introverted, very skeptical, very angry, very bitter inside. Because I saw that when things are going great in life, everyone wants to be your friend. But when tragedy strikes, you're really left all alone. So I carried on going through school. I, I, I did elementary school. I became a good sports person, number one in tennis, number one in, in running in, in my division. And then I got to high school. And that's when all hell broke loose because there was a gang of boys at my school. And these boys were in different schools in the community. They, they were naughty boys, so they were expelled, kicked out of their schools, arrived at my school, birds of a feather flocked together, they formed a gang, and I was prime target number one for this gang. And these boys would punch me, kick me, cuss at me, swear at me, burnt me with a heater, I mean, just beat me up. For, for nearly two years, I would hide in the restroom of the school in the cubicle because these boys would hunt me down at break and I had to hide away. So as a result, I was a very broken-hearted young man. But then I went to the army at 18, and that was during the apartheid era, where South Africa was going through that, that era in its history, which is separation of the races. So different culture or race groups couldn't kind of live together. Everyone had to be separated. So in the army, being Jewish, they were very anti-Semitic. <laughs> And with my Jewish nose, I couldn't hide it. So they spotted me straight away that I'm Jewish. And I really had a tough time. They threatened to kill me, threatened to, I mean, just threats, threats. I mean, they put the fear of, of the devil into your heart. And during those days, during apartheid, I mean, those guys could get away with literally murder. So, so I went through a really tough time in the army. But something great came out of the army. When I was 18, sitting on the porch the one day, a young boy came up to me, and for the very first time in my life, he told me about Jesus. Now, being a Jewish boy, I'd only ever watched Jesus of Nazareth on TV, and it really touched me as a kid. And I listened to what he had to say, but I wasn't totally convinced that Jesus was the Messiah. And he said, would you like Jesus to come into your life? And I said, well, I'm not sure. He may be the Messiah, maybe he's not. I don't know. All I knew was I wanted to be the richest man in the world, okay? Every little Jewish boy's dream. <laughs> and I was on my way at school. I was like the Rupert Murdoch, Donald Trump, Bill Gates, uh, Carlos Slim, all, all in one. I, I was making so much money at school and I had little businesses running and I was a school bookie. So I would offer odds on the tennis tournaments. Uh, being a good tennis player, I knew who was good on grass, who was good on clay, who was good on hard courts. And I would go around at lunchtime, hey guys, how you doing? You know Wimbledon's coming up, who's your favorite player? Who's your favorite player? Oh, wow, if you put X amount on your guy and he wins, you get five times more and your money back. Oh, wow, you think that guy's going to win? If you put X amount on him, you know, you'll get 50 times more. And, and I was good at business, okay? <laughs> And, uh, and what was so funny was during the quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals of these tournaments, I became super religious. I would put on my yamuka, my Jewish talus. I would stand in front of the TV because I, I had to make sure my guy won and their guy lost. And I would start praying to God. And I'd recite all my Jewish prayers, hoping that my guy would win. And by God's grace, not saying that he was involved, my guys always won. I never lost the bet in all my, my, in all my school career. <laughs> and I think the Lord looked down from heaven and said, I think I can use this guy. He just needs to receive Jesus and change his life around. But this is the kind of guy we can use. 
So while I was in the army, that young boy shared the gospel with me. And then I would go to gym in the afternoon uh, w- when I was studying at college. And, and one of my friends from school, he had received Jesus. And he was a Jewish guy. So now he started telling me about Jesus. And he started going through all the prophecies in the Old Testament, proving that Jesus is the Messiah. And I thought, wow, this is very interesting. This is now another guy telling me about Jesus. And then there was an Israeli man at my fitness center, and he would target me almost every day. I mean, he was targeting me. I could see it. But I I liked his boldness. I I enjoyed his chutzpah, his enthusiasm. So I'd be on the the bicycle pedaling away. I'd see Manny come, and and, and he'd spot me, and he'd make his way, and he'd sit next to me and, and start pedaling and flap open his Bible, and then he would start preaching to me. And I love what he had to say. I mean, hearing about Jesus was, was awesome. And, and he sowed the seed into my heart. Then Philip invited me to a home group meeting. And for about three months, every Wednesday, I said, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. And every Wednesday, I'd put them off, put them off, put them off. But one Wednesday night, I decided to go. So I arrived at the meeting and, you know, they're busy singing and, and worshiping and and I'd only ever been to synagogue and, and knew Jewish music. I wasn't used to Jesus, we worship you. So I'm busy looking at their faces and it's like, wow, these Christians really seem like God is communicating to them. This is like, wow, what's happening here? And for nine months, Philip had been witnessing to me. And about three days before, I remember looking at myself in the mirror and saying, God, I'm such a sinner. I don't deserve to have your son Jesus come into my life. Let me stop sinning and then I'll receive Jesus into my life. And I felt God say to me, Jared, it is while you are a sinner. That's when you need to ask Jesus into your life. So now I'm in this worship session and I'm looking at all these Christians worshiping Jesus. And all of a sudden, David, who was also Jewish, David Nathan, he was the leader. He got saved as a Lubavitch religious Jew. He got saved. And the Lord used him in word of knowledge. He said, there's someone in this room that's been through this, 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 and this. About five very specific things that I'd been through in my life. And he said, would this person come forward? I thought, oi vey, are you crazy? Never. How embarrassing. Everyone's going to know it's me. So I waited for everyone to go home. Then I went up to David. I said, David, you know, the person you were speaking about is me. And he said, well, would you like Jesus to come into your life? And I said, definitely. So we went into his lounge area. I closed my eyes. He said, close your eyes. I'd never watched Christian TV other than Jesus of Nazareth on TV Never been to a church meeting, never seen anything with the power of God. So it's just him and I alone in his lounge. He says, okay, pray this prayer. Jesus, I believe in my heart you're the son of God. You died on the cross to take my sins away. I receive you now as my Lord and Savior. Amen. And as I pray that prayer, the most incredible presence of God came all around me. I thought, oi vey, what's happening? And the power of God was so powerful, the Lord knocked me to the floor. I like fainted. I thought, what's happening here? And I tried to get up, but I was pinned to the floor. And as I was on the floor, I just felt the presence of God. I felt the weight of the world lift off my shoulder. I felt the peace of God come into my heart. I felt the love of God come into my heart. I felt all that shame, all that rejection, all that pain that I had in my life lift off my shoulder and I was totally set free in a moment of time. And that was when Jesus came into my life, when I received him as my Lord and Savior. Amen. (laughs) Let's give Jesus a hand. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And I can truly say That Jesus is the most wonderful, amazing, incredible person you could ever know, you could ever follow, you could ever meet. Jesus stands in the league all by himself. And Jesus wants to touch your life today. And Jesus wants to empower you today. 
and give you his heart, a heart of compassion for those people that don't know him. Think of all your family members that don't know Jesus. Think of your work colleagues. Think of those that you go to school with. Think of those that you interact with every day that you see in the streets. Jesus loves them. Jesus died for them. And that's why Jesus said to you and I, go. Say go. go. Two-thirds of God's name is go. I think he's trying to tell us something. Go. Why don't you go? He wants to push us to go, to reach out, and to share the gospel. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. My question to you today is, what is your world? Maybe your world is sports, business, politics, entertainment, education. Maybe you're, you, you look after your children after the house. You're interacting with children the whole day. Whatever your world is, God wants to use you in your world to reach the people in your world. The Bible says we've all been given the ministry of reconciliation. It's not just for evangelists to reach out and preach the gospel. It's for every believer. Imagine you had the cure for the AIDS virus and kept it to yourself. I think if you were on trial, you'd be convicted for mass murder. I'd be convicted for mass murder because we had the antidote for the problem. And Jesus is a cure for the sin virus. That's why we mustn't keep the truth of who Jesus is to ourselves. We need to share that truth. We need to tell people, Jesus loves you. Jesus died on the cross for you. Most of us in this church today, we know Jesus. How did we come to know him? Someone reached out to us. Maybe a, a few people reached out to you the first time you brushed that person off. Maybe six months later, someone else reached out to you. Maybe four years later, someone else reached out to you. And maybe six years later, you finally surrendered your life to Jesus. It took a few people to get you to hear the gospel. Sometimes it's just one. So whether you that person that ends up leading that person to Jesus, or you that person that sows the truth of Jesus into their hearts, we are all in this together. We are colleagues. We are co-laborers in Christ. So I just want to encourage you in your world to reach the people in your world. Amen? Amen. Now, in reaching the people in your world, in my world, we need to realize that each of us have a unique gifting and talent. Each of us have a unique personality. Some people are very delicate. Some people are shy. Some people a little bit more outspoken. Some people are like bulls in a china shop. You know, they've got a, a huge personality and, you know, they walk in a room and in 10 minutes everyone knows them and they know everyone. They remember everyone's name. It's like they've been friends for years. It doesn't matter what your personality, God will use your personality to reach the people in your world. Amen. Amen. Now, I've had the wonderful blessing of, of uh, being mentored by a, a wonderful, great evangelist by the name of Reinhard Bonnke. Maybe some of you know him. He, him and his team have led 72 million people to Jesus to date. He's, he's in his 50th year of, of ministry. He's 74 years old, but he's just as active, just as powerful. They're doing six crusades a year in, in Africa and about four crusades a year now in America and in, in cities around the United States. And I've had the honor of being mentored by him. Uh, we're personal friends. And I've been on 20 of his crusades around the world. And on the last night of each crusade, he's given me up to 15 minutes to share my gospel. He said, just don't do the altar call. Just share your... Don't do the article. I said, don't worry, Pastor Bonke, I won't do the article, which is tough for an evangelist, amen? But I've shared the gospel uh, with him. But what I've come to realize is that Reinhardt is Reinhardt and Jared is Jared. I would make a terrible copy of Reinhardt Bonke. And you would make a terrible copy of any man or woman of God that you're inspired to be. You need to realize you are unique. There's no photocopy machine in heaven. 
making copy after copy after copy. We are all originals. So if I try and preach like Reinhard Bonnke, hallelujah, with my German accent, because he's German, hallelujah, Africa shall be saved. When I was a young man in Africa, this is true. I mean, I've heard all Reinhard's stories, so I know them well. When I was a young man in Africa, there was a young lady, and she came up to me at the end of the meeting, and I said to her, do you want to receive Jesus? And she said, I want to receive Jesus. But my boyfriend, he doesn't like Jesus. I said, young lady, if your boyfriend does not like Jesus, you have the wrong man altogether. Receive Jesus and he will give you a wonderful husband. <coughs> Amen. <laughs> I like what Ronald said the one time. He says, when you come up against a wall, do not look at the wall. Look for the pole to pivot over the wall. And just before you jump over the wall, take the pole and hit the devil on the head. Amen. <laughs> now his crusades cost about a million dollars a crusade. Ronald's doing big things as the leading evangelist in the world. And one of his board members told me the story where they were all in a board meeting together. And he was sharing another great vision of leading millions and millions of souls to Jesus. So the one person said, Pastor Bonke, evangelist, all these ideas you, you keep coming up with, all these ideas that just keep popping up, popping up, and popping up. He said, my brother, my ideas do not pop up. They pop down from heaven. <laughs> but you don't need to be Ronald Bonke to preach the gospel. Be yourself. Amen. You don't have to be Benny Hinn. Hallelujah. Everybody everywhere, raise your hand. Close your eyes. Hallelujah. Everybody everywhere. Hallelujah. Lift it, saints. Lift it. Hallelujah. Touch. Hallelujah. Pick him up. Pick him up. <laughs> Touch. Pick him up. Pick him up. Touch. You don't need to be Ronald Bonky Benny Hinn to preach the gospel. And I'm friends with Benny Hinn's family. I'm not being disrespectful. I'm just ripping him off. <laughs> be yourself. You don't need to be T.D. Jakes. Hey, uh, I've been up uh, and I've been down. Uh, up is better. I've been rich uh, and I've been poor. Uh, rich is better. I've been black uh, and I've been white. Uh, black is better. Hey, can I have a witness? Uh, can I go deeper? You don't need to be Ronald Bunky, Benny Hinn, T.D. Jakes, or your favorite man or woman of God. Be yourself. Amen. So when you are in the fitness center, peddling away, sweating, woman perspiring, <laughs> and someone sits down next to you and you're perspiring, and, and they push 20 minutes in the, in, in the stationary bicycle, that's a sign from heaven that you have 20 minutes to preach the gospel to them. Amen. I was once in the, in, in the change room in the fitness center and the one guy said, hey, so what do you do for a living? And I thought, Lord, I don't want to scare him. We plan to how we populate heaven. We preach the gospel. We cast out demons. Hallelujah. <laughs> I thought, okay, take it easy. So I said to him, I'm in the life assurance business. He said, life assurance? I've heard of life insurance. What's that? I said, he said, what company do you work for? I said, I work for the biggest company in the world. We're huge. We're massive. We are, we're on every street corner, literally, virtually. Wow. He said, who's your boss? I said, my boss. This is true. It's true. My boss is the most famous person in the whole world. He's a household name. In fact, I would work for the company for free because my boss has changed my life. They choose to give me a salary, but I do this for free. He's the most amazing person. I'll introduce you to him. And they said, well, so what are your policies about? I said, our policies are fully comprehensive. Spirit, soul, and body. He said, how much are your policies? I said, our policies are for free. Our boss said, we must give them away for free. There's only one condition. You first have to give your life to my boss. He said, I think I know what you're talking about. And I went on and I shared the gospel with him. 
You see, sharing the gospel with people can be fun, can be exciting. When you're on an aeroplane and there's one or two or three or four or more hours to go, you've got so much time to reach this person next to you. My friend who lives in Wales, he's a Welshman, from South Africa to, to Wales, it took him like, I don't know, 11, 12, 13 hours. With, and and they were, it was him and a Christian guy and a non-Christian person. And all they were talking about was Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And the person finally said, we've been on the plane for 10 hours and all you people can talk about is Jesus. Yes. He's changed our life and he can change your life as well. I want to encourage you to rise up and reach out. Just think of those people that you know right now who don't know Jesus. We need to be bold enough to reach out to them. And you were maybe a hard nut to crack, but you here, you were maybe one of those unreachable kind of people, but you here. So don't think that your aunt, your sister, your grandmother, your cousin, your husband, your wife, your kids are hard to reach. If the Apostle Paul, who was persecuting the church, could be reached and give his life to Jesus, how much more our friends and family? We need to reach out and share the gospel with them. Every Saturday, when I, when I first got saved, about three years later, I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? I was doing one-on-one -on -one evangelism. I just finished Bible college and I said, Lord, I'm available. I'm studying uh, business, but what have you really called me to do? And the Lord spoke to me. And, and, and as a Jewish guy, he knew how to speak to me. He said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. It's not the other way around. So he said, take your life savings, which I did, buy a sound system, which I did, and I took it and I went downtown to the inner city of Johannesburg called Jaber Park. And I built a team from myself and a few ladies, up to 50 people, all of us volunteers. And we started reaching out in Jaber Park, leading 80 to 120 people a week to Jesus. Saturday nights, I'd sort out all the connect cards. Sunday morning, handed in uh, at, at, to the counseling department area at the church. And that area of our church grew by thousands of members. But I arrived in Jabeir Park the one day, 10 o'clock, just before 10, and there was a massive stage in the park. It's like, what is happening over here? We just had our two little speakers and did our thing on the ground and got like 80 or 100 people at a time to sit down and listen to us. But there was this massive stage. So I thought, what is happening? So I went up on the stage which was about three times the size of this stage. And I said, hey, what's happening? And the sound guy said, well, we're going to do a big concert in the park. So straight away, I saw an opportunity. I said, do you think I could have five minutes during the day just to share with everyone that God loves them? He looked at me like I was on drugs. I mean, he said, what? He said, impossible. But how many know what's impossible for man is possible with God? And impossible is where our stuff is at. So I said to him, so, 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 so a few feet away was another man. And that man said, you can have your five minutes. I said, who's that? He said, that's the boss of the whole record company. So I thought, this is amazing. So the concert starts, started at one the owner of the company said, I must go backstage and he'll let me know when I can have my five minutes. So I was backstage and all my counseling guys were there from one o'clock ready for Jared's five minutes. So one o'clock comes, an hour goes by, however many bands go up. I go up to the owner, I said, sir, you said I must remind you for my five minutes. He said, just be patient. That's fine. Waited another hour backstage, waiting for my five minutes. Two o'clock comes, there's 2,000 people. Now three o'clock comes, 3,000 people. I'm thinking, 3,000 people, this will be amazing. I got up to him and I said, sir, you said I must remind you for five minutes. He said, be patient. I'm Jewish, I'm an evangelist. Patience is not in my vocabulary. 
Four o'clock comes, 4,000 people. Five o'clock comes, 5,000 people. I'm like, thank you, Lord. So I went up to him, sir, I'm just reminding you because you're busy. You said I can have five minutes. He said, this is the last musician. She's singing her last song. After this, you can have your five minutes. I said, great. So I was at the bottom of the stairs going up. She, was, she finished. I even remember it in my mind's eye. She turned around, started walking down those stairs. I looked at that microphone like an Olympic athlete grabbing a baton in a, re- in a relay. I grabbed it, ran up on stage, jumped up and said, hello, everybody. Are you having a good time? They thought I was part of the act. <laughs> they thought I was the master of ceremonies who didn't show up for the last four hours because maybe he was drinking a little bit or stoned out of his mind. But I'm here now. All the ladies go, ooh, and they went, ooh. All the guys say, oh, yeah. All the ladies, ooh. I said, you know what I've noticed here today? You guys have been singing and dancing and having a good time. Are you having a good time? Come on, work with me. They were, they were a loud bunch. Are you having a good time? Yeah. But you know what I've noticed? And you know what I can see what's going to happen? Well, first of all, I noticed when you came into the park, you were looking a bit sad, a bit depressed, having a bad hair day. Now you're dancing and going for it and they were drinking and now you, everything's great. But guess what's going to happen tomorrow morning? You're going to forget that this day ever happened. But what I'm going to share with you right now is going to change your life forever. I open my Bible where every good evangelist Bible should open, John chapter 3, verse 16. And I read it, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Jesus will not perish but have eternal life. Then I preached for five minutes. And then I said, Everybody everywhere, close your eyes. Now I didn't say it like that. But I said, everyone, please close your eyes. Hold on to your handbags. This is Jabeir Park. That bag can be gone in a second. It's a dangerous area. I said, maybe you weren't expecting to hear someone like me share about Jesus, but God has an appointment with you today. Most people close their eyes, and I led them in. I said, if you've never received Jesus or you want to receive Jesus, put up your hand. And only the Lord knows the true figure, but approximately 500 people raised their hands and received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. There was a big sound desk quite far away. I said, if you raise your hands, my counselors are already there. And like a mob went there. My counselors were handing out connect cards, follow-up material. I mean, we had an amazing revival. And the Lord gets all the glory because He's the one that orchestrated it. But if I would have arrived in Jabeir Park and said, oh, now we can't preach, now we can't do our thing, Look, they're having a big concert. That whole opportunity would have been lost. So the Lord wants to bring opportunities your way. Opportunities in your school. Opportunities in your business. Opportunities when you've been interviewed on TV for something you've done. Opportunities for something you've now invented something. And they're saying, how did you get this amazing idea? You can use it as a catalyst to preach the gospel. Or you win an award. Are there any future Academy Award winning actors or actresses here? Any? Wave your hand. Any American Music Award uh, singers or, act, or, or, or bands here that are going to win some awards? American Music Awards? World Music Awards? Yes, yes, I see that. Anyone who's going to win the Nobel Peace Prize here? Let me see those hands. Let me see those hands. Any millionaires, multimillionaires, or billionaires in the house? By faith? Any multimillionaires by faith, God's going to give you incredible businesses, incredible investment opportunities. Now, when they say to you, how did you do it? Like Daniel and Joseph in the Bible, give glory to God. He's the one that gave me the idea for this business. So start practicing your acceptance speeches, guys. And make sure Jesus is in your acceptance speech. But truly speaking, God wants to use us as a collective family, and as a collective force to reach out and share the gospel. And you may say, am I all God has? Yes. You and I are all God has. But we are all He needs. 
Because guess who's backing us up? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They are backing us up. You may feel like you're all alone in a situation, but God lives in you and with you. And He will empower you. Jesus said you will receive power when the Holy Spirit is, uh, comes upon you and you'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. In Anaheim, in Orange County, in Los Angeles, in California, in the US of A, and all over the world. God will use you as His witness. So just make yourself available to Him. I would like... Everyone to close their eyes right now if the worship team can, can kindly come up. Maybe you've heard a lot about Jesus in your life before. But maybe you haven't yet made a decision to receive Him as your Lord and Savior. Jesus came from heaven to earth. He lived a sinless life. He was beaten, mocked, ridiculed, spat on, whipped 39 times, put on the cross. They took thick, rusted, jagged nails of steel, of iron, put it by his hands and his feet, smashed it. The blood came out. That blood that Jesus shed on the cross was for you and for me. Jesus died on the cross. They took him off the cross. They put him in a tomb. One day went by, two days went by. Jesus was dead, buried, and in that tomb. But on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead. And Jesus is alive. Death couldn't keep him down. My sins and your sins couldn't keep him down. He rose from the dead. And Jesus is alive. And, and he's reaching out to you today. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants to be intimately involved in your life. And maybe you've never received Him in your life before. Today you can do it for the very first time. Or maybe one time in your life you used to follow Jesus. You used to live for Him. But things have gone wrong in your life. You've maybe turned your back on Him. Peer pressure came your way. A bad relationship. Maybe you've been used and abused in life. And things have taken you away from Jesus. But what's so wonderful about Jesus is His arms are open wide, ready to receive you just the way you are. And all you need to do is recommit your life to Him. So if that's you, my friend, while everyone's eyes are closed, because this is a very personal moment in your life, if you want to receive Jesus for the first time, or you want to recommit your life to Jesus, I want you to quickly put up your hands. Quickly put up your hands. I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand. Just quickly, I see that hand. See that hand, see that hand. That's so wonderful. If your hand is up, I want you to quickly stand to your feet. Quickly stand to your feet. Don't be shy, there are many of you. And as the worship team play, I want you to please come and join me here in the front. Just get out from where you sit in. You can bring your handbag or whatever. And just come and join me here in the front. Come forward. Amen. Let's clap as they come. Don't be shy. Ma'am, come, come forward. Let's all stand up together. Let's all stand up. If you put up your hand, we're not here to embarrass you. But I want you to please get out. There were about five or six people that put up their hands. If you can please come forward because we want to pray for you. If you're too shy to come by yourself, uh, come with a friend or if one of the ushers or counsellors can bring them forward. That will be great. You can start to make your way forward. Amen. If you raise your hands. Amen. Come forward. Let's all raise our hands. 
Let's all pray this prayer together, just slightly softer, slightly. Say, Jesus, I believe in my heart that you are the Son of God. I believe in my heart that you died on the cross to take my friend, uh, my sins away. I believe in my heart that you were buried and on the third day you rose from the dead and you are alive and right now I give my life to you my spirit my soul and my body everything I have everything I am I give to you right now from this moment on and forevermore I will follow you thank you Jesus for saving me in Jesus name Amen let's clap for Jesus Amen what we want to do right now is that we want to minister to you I believe the Lord wants to minister to you. I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to touch you, to empower you, to be a soul winner for Him. We have wonderful counselors, wonderful pastors here today that are going to pray individually for you, for the Lord to give you that boldness that you need to reach out and step out and tell people about Jesus. So if you would like us to personally pray for you, for that you can come forward uh, if, you're, if you don't want to come forward for that we'll pray a mass prayer as well but if you want prayer as the worship team sing please come forward and then we're going to pray for you individually Amen.